football and other F-words. My name is Zach Lyons. You can follow me on Twitter at F-WordsPod. I'm joined by always Mike Herndon at Mike Herndon NFL on Twitter. You can read all of his works, paulkaharski.com. This week from Mike is different draft strategies, which will be for nothing because the Titans are just going to stay and pick where they're at. Isn't that right? Isn't that what they're well, just going to do? That's that's one strategy, though. That's oh, a that strategy. Is, that's one of the strategies. Yeah, that's an option. Uh, over at stackingtheinbox.com, where you can find all my written work on Monday, I wrote a extensive piece on what the Titans could do with Kevin Byard's contract if they were wanting to, you know, get out from get a little bit of uh, relief from a nineteen million dollar cap hit in twenty twenty which is a, a ridiculously high amount for safety in 2023, but it is what it is. Cause John Robinson, again, again, it's the, it, this is the Ryan Tannehill 37 yeah, million. It's not, it's not Kevin Byard's fault. I've never once said that it was Kevin Byard's fault. I, I said that in fact, I said in many replies, it is John Robinson's fault. And uh, this week I'm putting the finishing touches on an NFL data tool. For all you draft nerds out there, so $4 a month gets you all kinds of access, all kinds of information, stackinginbox.com. We are also partnered with 440 Sports at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Make sure to go check out all the content that they have there. And, of course, finally, we are brought to you by Jaspers, two for one on Sundays. It's about to be March Madness season. That's where you need to go to watch all the basketball games. Jaspers, they have like a thousand TVs. They have a massive big screen. So when you want to go see number 12 seed Tennessee lose to whatever Jamokes they are playing in the tournament, you can go down to Jaspers and and uh, and watch them lose miserably there. Is that is that a good promo? I feel like that's a good promo. Yeah, that's great. I, I you know I, I enjoyed it. I, I'm pretty sure like that's where Tennessee's at now. They're like bottom, you know. They're in the teens, the tens, if in the tournament. I, I, are you talking about for like overall seed or like number seed? Oh, overall seed. Well, we're yeah, yeah. we're you know like uh, they're gonna be on like in some bracket number ten, right? No, no, you know, they'll be not, like a, a three or four seed. I think they they'll be that high. I oh, think so. Gosh. I think they'll still be that high. I don't know. It seems like they're Unless, I, I mean, if the bottom keeps falling out, they could fall yeah. down to like seven, eight, <laughs> somewhere around there. If they so. get kicked out of the first round of the SEC tournament, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. More losses to teams like Vanderbilt and, you know, those, the the like. The like. Uh, those yeah. those uh, jabronis. Yeah. All right. Two for one on Sundays of Red Jaspers. Mike, it's combine season. There's a lot to get to. A lot's uh, been said. A lot's been written about the Tennessee Titans that I feel we need to discuss. Um, a lot of, a lot of movement, a lot of new title changes and new coaches and all kinds of stuff. Um, so it'll be interesting to get into that. And of course we got lion season. It's to combine all the, uh, all the GMs, all the head coaches, and even the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans have talked. We're going to tell you what they said, and we're going to use a new term. I've come up with a new term, devised a new term. That's uh, that is going to be used to describe what is happening with the Tennessee Titans. I came up with it today. All that today on today's episode. Okay. I want to start with something that has kind of bothered me about this whole combine thing. And, and it specifically revolves around the quarterbacks and it revolves around the uh, narrative around Bryce Young. You body shaming nerds. Let me tell you something. 
90% of the NFL teams have Bryce Young as their number one quarterback. How wide of a margin does he have the number, or is he holding on to the number one? I'm willing to concede that probably not not that much. But him not throwing at this combine doesn't fucking matter. Agree or disagree? It doesn't. It doesn't matter because what, what's the stat? I think it's like the last you know four or five uh, number one overall pick quarterbacks have not thrown at the combine. It's it's <laughs> it's one of those things where like you know if you're the guy like if you're the the guy that's the in the top spot you only have something to lose right like you don't right. have anything to gain by throwing. Um, whereas Anthony Richardson does, you know, so I think it makes sense for Bryce not to throw. Like CJ Stratt, I feel like shouldn't really be throwing in my opinion, because of all the quarterbacks, he has the most to lose. Well, he's not going to look very good next to Levis and and Richardson as far as arm strength goes. You know, and that's the thing I feel like, I mean, these guys are throwing routes on air and stuff like that. It's not, you're not going to get a ton of like this. This is where Levis is going to get. Yeah, I mean, people are going to freak out and say, oh, my God, look at the ball pop off his hand, all this stuff. This is where Levis is going to skyrocket up draft boards. Which and- there's not many. I, I, let me say this. I do not think Levis is going to have a lot of movement on NFL draft boards. On analyst draft boards, yes, I don't know yeah, how much higher he could get because they all have him ranked ridiculously uh, high. Yeah, I, 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 I guess I think, that's the thing uh, for me is like, the NFL, we've this is going to be the fourth or fifth year that we have had a show right before the combine where we have to tell and remind people the NFL already has their big board set for the most part, and there's very little movement. Like if Anthony Richardson is 12, he may move up to 11 or 10 right on the draft board after this week. But the thing is, is what everybody's missing out. The stuff that makes Anthony Richardson already be talked about as skyrocketing up boards is the stuff that's been on tape for a full season already. Like the, these, these general managers and these scouts have already seen the Anthony Richardson tape that is going to, that's skyrocketing. It's just now that these, the draft nerd analyst community is just now getting around to actually watching these players. Yeah. I, I think there is a lot of like, it's like a, the social media echo chamber takes over with some of this stuff. And, you know, there's a lot of like, a pro Richardson, you know, stuff out there right now, which look, I'll retreat, retweet every pro Richardson tweet out there, by the way. <laughs> I, I am too. I mean, cause I am intrigued by Anthony Richardson to a large degree because like, I mean, yes, he, he is far from a finished product from, you know, the accuracy standpoint. I think he's got some, some things to work on like footwork wise and everything like that. But like the talent is stares you right in the face. And I do think he's a little bit more, um, advanced as far as playing the position of quarterback than he gets credit for sometimes. Um, so I, yeah, I think he's kind of an intriguing guy. Um, and his ceiling to me is the highest. I mean, bar none. Like his ceiling is higher than Bryce Young's. It's higher than C.J. Stroud. It, it is the highest in the class just because of what he is physically able to do. Um, so yeah, I I am intrigued by Anthony Richardson. I've been intrigued by Anthony Richardson since I watched the Utah game live back in September, or whenever it was, of the opening game of the college football season. Like I was like, whoa, this guy is is crazy good. And then he can, and I watched the whole season. I've watched probably seven or eight games of Anthony Richardson and a lot of up and downs. But I think the best thing to describe him is not raw. He's not a raw prospect. He's an inexperienced prospect. Yes. Whereas Levis is a experienced prospect and he stinks. 
I, I just will maintain that he stinks. I, I have no doubt that he is going to be, I, I still maintain and it'll be on every like bold prediction that I do about the draft. He's not going in the first round. It's my bold prediction. I'm sticking with it. I think every, I think the draft nerds have gotten this one wrong. I think he goes top five. Oh, I just, I, 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 I just, I don't <laughs> know. Does. I don't know. I don't, I hope if he does, listen, I want to be in the, to go to the Colts. I want him It'll to go to the AFC Colts. South. If he does not go to the Colts, I want him to fall all the way out of the first round and fall into the Colts lap in the second round. How about Will that? Will Levis will be the, the quarterback for either the Texans or the Colts. I'm like 100% sure of it. Like oh, that, that is just something that in my in my brain is crystallized that that is, that is happening. Okay, so it, combine season, we'll have more thoughts next week about what we saw at the combine. I mean, like this, the idea of like doing here are the three most exciting prospects that you need to pay attention to. Look, what you need to pay attention to are the RAS scores because those are the biggest and best predictors by Kent Lee Plath, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. Math Bomb on Twitter, uh, or you can just Google relative athletic score. But these are the that's one of the best predictors of success. And what you need to know, understand about that, that's why the combine is so important. If you can, t- if you look at the score and then you go look at the film, and those things line up, and this is kind of what Rand Carthens talked about—the data and the film—and those things line up, that means you have a prospect that has a really high chance of succeeding in the NFL at a high level too. So that's why I always think the combine is important. It's it's a it's a large piece of the puzzle. There's the combine, there is the film. And there's the stuff that we don't see, right? The interviews, the this S2 cognitive scoring that we're about to get into. That is the stuff that matters. You know what doesn't matter? The Wonderlick test. That is the least helpful thing, I think, in the that the NFL does. Bench bench press is probably second. I would put it maybe second. But the Wonderlick is definitely the uh, the least important thing to come out of the NFL combine. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's largely being phased, not maybe not phased out necessarily, like they're still giving the freaking test for some reason. But I, I think the importance team's place on it is diminishing. Because um, it, it, I mean, it is, it, it's hard to, I think it does make sense that, you know, sure, this guy could learn a playbook easier than that guy or or whatever. And maybe there's some value to be had on like, well, this guy is on an extreme low end of the Wonderlick. You know, maybe that's a red flag as far as like his ability to retain information or to, to you know, reason through uh, problem solving skills, whatever. Um, but you know, and we'll talk about like this S two thing. But I, I think those kind of tests are going to largely replace the Wonderlick um, in short order if they're not already. As far as like the importance that NFL teams place on them. All right, so the S2 cognitive test um, is a, from a company, two guys that met up at Vanderbilt that were working on uh, Alzheimer's and, and doing some clinical trials, and they came up with this testing that actually translated not only really well for Alzheimer's, but into the athletic world. They've been, around, they've been testing um, been about a 45-minute test, and they've been testing players at the NFL draft for the last seven years. And then they've been working with Vanderbilt baseball and other sports and colleges and all this stuff. They've tested by the time that the draft season, I think 
I can't remember is the draft season, the draft day or the combine, but they were talking about like 800 athletes. They have tested with this. So 800 college football athletes. So all that to say is that it tied into Brock Purdy who tested off the charts. And that is why he was able to come in and do what he was able to do within the Shanahan offense. Now, this ties into the Titans for a couple different reasons. Rand Carthon obviously came from the San Francisco 49ers. This is a Nashville-based company. And this is a Nashville-based company, like I said, that's been around for the past seven drafts. John Robinson, literally right before he got fired, like one of his last actions was hiring this company. So about 99.5% of John Robinson's tenure is him just literally ignoring a company doing work in the backyard, his own city. He's just 99.5%. And then as soon as he, so this is, I joke about this, but I, I feel like here's John Robinson. He's walking into St. Thomas sports park. He just hired this company, got some dip in his mouth. Fuck it. Got a, you know, a half drink can of uh bush light. He's just, he's just fucking ecstatic. He's walking in. He's like, yeah, me and miss Amy and Mike, we're about to meet with these guys. And these guys are going to turn us around. Taking us into the future, baby. And he sits down. S2 whips out their player dossiers on a couple of the different last few draft classes. He's looking at it. He's like, and in his head, you could he's like got this sense of dread overcomes him. And like Mike Vrabel and Amy are across the table. They're just like, you know, just tapping. They're huffing. They're sighing. They're giving these evil glares. John Robson. John Robson. Man, I just fucked myself because there is no way that uh, uh, the majority of the players that the Titans have drafted would have above average grades at the NFL level. Like, I feel like Malik Willis probably failed this test. (laughs) I personally think that, obviously, Isaiah Wilson probably failed this test. Um, Maybe. I mean, unless it has a uh, component as far as being able to avoid drinking lean and, uh, you know. Yeah, I feel like donuts on probably Mike. didn't pass this test because his reactions are really slow, and that's what it takes. It's yeah. reaction based. It's technique driven. It's being able to recognize patterns. I kind of feel like Roger McCreary may may fail this because he had a hard time remembering the simple techniques. Maybe that's coaching, but that's just that's just a few of the players that like popped in my mind was like, especially this most recent draft class. So I. I ask you, first off, what's the importance of this test in your mind? Like, is this a good, this is obviously a good thing to have. I know you're going to agree that's a good thing to have. But, like, what's the importance for you going forward having this? And, you know, do you feel John Robinson waited a little too long to move into the future? I mean, I definitely think he did. I mean, we've been harping on this kind of stuff for literally the entirety of this podcast that, you know, the Titans have always lagged behind when it comes to using technology, using analytics, things like that to help themselves. And it is not that the technology replaces the ability of a human to analyze and function or a scout to be able to watch film and all this other stuff like that all is part of it. But this is free information or not free. Well, it's obviously not free information. It is information that you can get that is not cost against the salary cap. So from a, a competitive standpoint it is free information um that you can incorporate as much as you want to or as little as you want to but you would have and know the information which has to help your evaluation process 
Um, it's just the same as, as what I forever wanted them to do as far as having analytics people on staff is, you know, being able to build out all these fourth down models and things like that. And, you know, Hey, if you decide Mike Vrabel that, well, you know, or all the stuff they always bring up, you know, well, your left guard is, you know, his hands hurt and, uh, you know, your quarterback is, you know, he's got a blister on his, you know, finger and. Uh, you know, the wind's blowing three miles an hour to the east. And, you know, there's a the slight glare of the sun at the spot of the field. Like all these little things. If you want to take all that into account and override the decision, sure, go for it. But at least know what the numbers are. Like at least know what the baseline numbers are for each given situation. No, no, like that, that is free. You can do that. Um, so I, I just, yes, they were too close. They were probably too late to, to get on this train um no surprise uh and it's great like i think it's great because i the way that they describe the test and i'm actually going to talk to one of the guys that uh works over there um soon and and try to get some more information on that so be looking out for that but um you know what you should do me and you should go take this test that would be fun that would be fun actually (laughs) schedule it up up. we'll go take that test i may pitch that um so, I mean, but yeah, I, I think the descriptions of like what the tests are like, you know, they show a bunch of images of diamonds with, you know, each one has like a corner missing and they have to be able to like recognize which corner is missing on each one and like how quick they're able to perceive it. And one of the interesting things they brought up is like Major League Baseball players have like perception ability, which obviously you think about it, like, you know, being out, having to be able to hit a baseball that is being thrown 100 miles an hour, you know, <laughs> what, 60 feet, six inches away. Um, and, you know, also being able to field the ball, like hit off the bat, coming off the bat at what, 115, 120 miles an hour, sometimes like that. Uh, so the reaction times that the baseball players put up are almost like they're, they're sh- theoretically should be imperceptible, like how quick they're able to react to, to visual cues. And I think it's not a mistake. Like that clearly is is correlated correlated to baseball success, but also like like they mentioned in the the athletic article, which was great. Um, Brock Purdy, you know, scored off the charts on this thing, and and you know, Drew Brees, guys like that, and Trey Lance scored pretty well too. I like yeah. how they threw that in there. Yeah, they, they, they did Lance, pretty well too. Yeah. Lance was up there too. Yeah, not maybe you know, probably not ninetieth percentile or above, but up there, you know, good enough. Um, and they did mention, by the way, Bryce Young, you know, it sounded like they did, they wouldn't give away his actual score or even like what it is, but they hinted that it was very, very high and that this draft class had the highest of any draft class among quarterbacks, uh, that they've measured. So lots of, lots of very, um, I won't say smart because this isn't a intelligence test. This is a cognitive, um, this translates to to mental processing at NFL speed. Right. Yes, like when we talk about Malik Willis, there's no doubt that he's a smart guy that can memorize the playbook. Right. But his issue is taking that and putting it at NFL speed and applying that. And right. I, I'm telling you right now, if if I don't get to go and take this test with you, you have to ask what Malik Willis's grade was. <laughs> I am just dying to know. I'm just dying to know. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to try to find out. I don't think I'll probably be able to get that information, but we'll see. Um but the uh, yeah, it, it is. It is like it's not intelligence. It is how quick you were able to see something, 
how quick that relays into your brain, you recognize what it is and you are able to react to it um, and, and react accurately too, you know, like not just guessing and things like that. So um, I think it's fascinating work. And I think this, this has to be probably one of the most predictive or, or I guess correlated with high functioning quarterback play for cert for certain. I mean, I think they also said linebacker uh, safety, and uh, corner were some of the other like higher testing or higher correlated uh, position groups as far as like high testing correlating to, to high performance in the NFL, um, which makes sense. I mean, a lot of, you know, those are all positions that need to be able to read and react uh, to what they are seeing from the opposition quickly. So I think that's super fascinating stuff. Um, I'm sure Rand Carthon, given his background, will be using that and for the Titans evaluating moving forward. And I hope there is more stuff like that because that, that's the thing. And there's Nobody only 14 had heard teams it. now at the time the article was written, which yeah. was yesterday, 14 teams. So that means the Titans were included in that 14 NFL team. So technically they the, are above average. One of the rare times that they're an early adopter of technology there. but Just they were I, too late to save John Robinson's job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I, I do think that – I mean – the S2 example is a good one because, like, I had never heard of them before I read this article. Um, and they're in Nashville. You know, it's not like they're a highly publicized group. But you kind of wonder, like, how many other groups out there are doing stuff like this? And, like, how quick teams are to take advantage of that kind of stuff? I think it says a lot about, like, how good your organization is. Like, you are you able to... to quickly locate and identify things that can help your franchise get an edge before anyone else gets. Because as technology and medicine and all this other stuff continues to evolve, it evolves faster and faster and faster every year. Um, and so teams that are able to, to quickly identify and get a, get ahead of this stuff, I think give themselves a real advantage. And I, I hope that will be the MO for the, the Rand Carthon Titans moving forward. Um, whereas it was not uh, under under the Robinson era, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Okay, so I see a lot of comments about the press conference about what Rand said. We'll get we'll we're we're on our journey to talk about that. Uh, Luke Steckel is out as run game analyst. Uh, that was a quick uh, stint for him. It really this is going to be a huge loss for the run game because he's put in so much work. Um, I am. I am not surprised that he did not take this phony title, even though my verbal said they are going to hire someone, which means they're probably just going to like give it to like the assistant running back coach or something crazy like that. Um, they're going to hire someone for this position. Um, we have talked about this on the show like two or three times about Mike Vrabel's comments about loyalty and not having coaches on staff that have one foot out the door. And always looking for other opportunities. And it, we've had brought it up that we kind of thought that that was about Luke Steckel. And now Luke Steckel has reportedly not interviewed, did not interview for the offensive coordinator job, which again now ties back to like, I don't think there were six people interviewed. Um, I think that is a lo load of horse shit. We don't, um, we don't need to go back. Yeah, but we're not that. getting back into that. But he didn't even get interviewed for that job. And then he gets his phony title because he doesn't get a job anywhere else. And now he's an assistant on the offensive line staff for the Chicago Bears. So it feels like he's taking a step back just because he's a little pissy, which means 
see a Luke. I think that's a that's a good guy to go ahead and let go because if he's gonna just like go work under on someone else instead of taking the opportunity to turn this into his own, you don't want that guy here, right? Yeah, this whole thing is very strange to me because I I was absolutely shocked when the Chargers interviewed him for their offensive coordinator spot anyways because I was like, I mean, he'd only been a tight ends coach, like an actual position coach at the NFL level for like a year maybe. Was this his first year's tight ends? Yes. Or or was this his second? Second. 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 Yeah, because his downing second year. That's right. So it was his second year as a position coach. Um, The first year the tight ends were on – mitigated disaster um this past year they were better but it's you know even setting that aside i think it's um it was just kind of weird that that was one of their interviews and it makes me feel like now especially after i think it's very clear now that run game analyst was a demotion um and quite likely that pat o'hara got a demotion being the passing game coordinator not passing game coordinator pass game analyst um going from quarterbacks coach to that. So sounds like that was a demotion too then. Um, but now he's taking in, you know, a lesser job than the one that he had as tight end coach. So he's going backwards. He's not going forward. So that makes me think that chargers interview was just a total sham. Like Brandon Staley or Tom Telesco, somebody in, somebody in LA owed uh, Luke Steckles agent a favor and, and got him this interview. And that, that was just a total sham. And I'm not, buying it one bit that he was actually under consideration for that position. Yeah, it's uh it's a little insane. Uh in good news though, good uh future good luck in your future endeavors to um Luke Steckel. You probably just made a horrible mistake by the way. <laughs> uh in future in good news though, Terrell Williams gets a assistant head coach added to his title as D-line uh D-line coach which is Mike Vrabel probably again I, I say phony titles, but I don't really think that they all are just like, it's just for no reason. This is, there is a reason for this. And that reason is that Tara Williams needs to be getting looks as defensive coordinator. And I think this helps put him in a higher profile to get that done. I also think it may be justification to give him more money um, mm-hmm. too. I mean, sometimes that stuff matters. Um, and he's earned it. I feel like it definitely. I mean, like if you look at, positions across the team defensive line is like the one spot that they just very consistently get a lot of uh production out of their guys i mean you look at the development of obviously jeffrey simmons was immensely talented it is immensely talented um and you don't want to give williams too much credit for jeffrey simmons but tier tart yeah he deserves a lot of credit naquan, for jones. naquan jones yeah uh if you look at um even guys like uh, who's the other one? I'm uh, I was just thinking about. Um, I'm totally blanking on it now. Anyways, anyway. uh, Danico another Autry, fat guy. Danico Autry <laughs> has been fantastic since coming over. So like, I mean, he gets a uh, he, he was a good player when he arrived too. So I'm not I'm not saying that's a Terrell Williams creation, but Tier Tart is a Terrell Williams creation, and that is a guy that's turned into a really good football player for them um so yeah so good we'll, that we'll he's got drew rosenhouse as an agent now i mean that's it when you get drew rosenhouse you know as your agent you've reached a a good high profile in the nfl absolutely absolutely so yeah i, I like i like that uh terrell williams gets this i mean, he he's definitely a um 
definitely been a great coach for them. And I, yeah, I hope he, he gets some defensive coordinator looks. He should. Um, and if he does comp picks for the Titans, or if Shane Bowen leaves, I would have to venture a guess that, well, Chris Harris is here, yeah, but one Harris. of those guys could get that job, uh, right there. Okay. Take it with a grain of salt. Jared Stillman tweets out today, and we don't know where he heard it from <laughs> or anything. He could just be hearing it because is, he recorded himself talking. But is he in Indy? No, I don't. Th- I don't believe he is. He's not okay. Uh, hold on, I can tell you. No, he's here in Nashville. Okay, I just scrolled up on his timeline. Uh, this is what he said: Hearing there is interest from from free agent tackle Mike McGlinchey in joining the Titans. So apparently. Whoever has told him this is hearing that Mike McGlinchey has interest. McGlinchey knows Ren Carthon from San Francisco and could be an option at either tackle spot, played left tackle in college at Notre Dame before playing right tackle in San Francisco. He figures to have a robust market. I like the I like it when people use the word robust. Mm-hmm. Um, he cannot come in here and and I we have our own source, uh, Kyle Madsen, who. Um, Lives and follows in San Francisco, and Kyle Madsen is writes for the Candlestick Chronicles. He's co-host of the Blue Wire Pods, managing editor of Niners Wire. He does the 49ers post game at nine 95.7 The Game in San Francisco. He's also a wine guy, just in case you were wondering that. Um, it was all from his Twitter bio, by the way. You can follow him oh, on I Twitter, at Kyle A. Madsen. He says putting Mike McGlinchey at left tackle would be a disaster. But just so you guys know that if Mike McGlinchey does indeed come here, it would be at right tackle, which begs the question, Mike. Mike McGlinchey signs here. Your first thoughts about the outlook of your favorite guy from week one to week nine and your least favorite guy from week 10 to week 18, Nicholas Petit-Ferrer. It means he's moving positions, which is probably good. I mean, I I don't know. I, I'm not like... Nicholas Petit-Frere, I am neither out on him, nor am I convinced that he is a good right tackle. Like He's, a, he's in Mike Herndon purgatory. He is in Mike Herndon purgatory, uh, and I don't think he should stop you from doing anything. Like, you should not change your plans. If you have a great right tackle in Mike McGlinchey that you can go get and put him in and plug him in and fill one spot of the offensive line and say, okay, we're okay right here. We, we are good. Do it. Go do it. Figure out if MPF can play somewhere else. If he can't, he'll play on the bench, and that's fine too. Um, he is not someone that you say, "Well, we have to make him our right tackle, otherwise, you know, the the world ends." Like that is that is not where he is um, in in his value to this team. He is get in where you fit in kind of guy. And if you can put other pieces at right tackle, if you could get Dewan Jones in the draft. Take Dewan Jones, stick him at right tackle, figure out, figure it out with NPF. Like, I am not holding NPF spot for anything. If there's an upgrade available, go get it and figure out what you want to do with him later. Okay, this brings us to my term. So I got a term for you, Mike, and I think you're right. gonna like it. Uh it's it's it ties into F1 a little bit because there is something called this this term for F1. I, this roster is not rebuilding. It's not remodeling. It's not retooling. We're getting out all the rewords. No more rewords. This roster's headed for a glow up. Mike. A glow, <laughs> a glow up. 
for those that don't know, you take in an uh, you. So a glow up happens when you are start out ugly and then you turn into a pretty hot person. Uh, the F one drivers are famous for their F one glow ups. Um, but this is a glow up, and this ties into Mike McGlinchey because I feel like, and this also ties into S two because I don't think NPF would have passed high on the S two cognitive test, even though he's a super smart guy. I just don't think the reactions are going to be there. Um, I think that every position on this team is open to a glow up quarterback offensive tackle, which is right tackle included. I think, um, cornerback safety. I don't think anybody, I think Jeffrey Simmons is truly the only untouchable player. Now I say that I know the Harold Landry is also technically untouchable, but like, if you were just looking, taking contracts out of the situation, I think Jeffrey Simmons is your truly only untouchable player. There are yeah. other guys that are kind of stuck. You're kind of stuck with. But I think this roster is coming in for a glow up. What do you think? What do you like? Think about my term. I like it. I like it. It's better. It's better than all the the re uh, rewords because those do get overused. And there's only just so many ways you can kind of spin that. Um, so yeah, I, I like the glow up. I like glow up. And, here, and, and here it's here. also a little bit more positive, right? Like it's a glow up. Like we're, we're, you know, putting on some makeup. We're we're getting in shape. We're maybe you know getting a different haircut, going out and shopping, putting on some new clothes. We're we're feeling good about ourselves, like in a glow up. Like it's a it's almost like um in Parks and Rec, uh, a treat yourself. I like it. I like it. Yeah. So we're we're going we're going on uh we're going with that for when it comes to this roster because like I said. The the Mike McGlinchey thing, obviously, if he wants to come here and you you have to just you're right. You can't you can't put good players on the back burner just because you have a rookie. Because it's Rand Carthon team, right? And like he's not tied to any of these players emotionally. On top of that, Mike Vrabel has pretty much blamed all the players for all the problems relentlessly. So he's probably not emotionally tied to 80% of the roster. Like, I feel like there was a few selected few that are variable buds, but most of his roster could probably go to hell. Like, like he, he's got, and that this also ties into the fact that I think why a glow up is occurring is because they're so desperate not to start off 0-1 on the first game of the season. Like, I, I, I feel like they cannot carry over a seven-game, eight-game losing streak, however long it was, that long-ass losing streak into 2023. And not to say that they're, you know, gonna, you know, if they think they're gonna win the Super Bowl, they're they're fucking nuts. But they want to be competitive. And I think a glow-up just makes it sound a little bit better for everybody involved. I mean, I'll, I like it from a branding standpoint. I, yeah. I, I'm not sure from a strategy standpoint, I agree that they I, Yeah, be- I, and, I, and I, I agree with you. I, I, yeah. My overall premise is, I'm just telling you what I think the Titans are thinking. I yeah, agree okay. with you that I think that a glow up, a blow up over a glow up is the better strategy. We've really rebranded this whole offseason. It already. works. It works. Blow up a glow up. Okay. Woo. Man, these press conferences. Uh, where do you, do you want to start with Tim Kelly first, or do you want to let's start with Tim Kelly first? Okay, all right. Let's you go. could get lost in those fucking eyes. What are those? Are some crystal blue eyes? I don't it's know intense. if he did acid before he he showed up because those things were those things were pe- peeping. It, um, it was yeah. He's got some intense eyes. He's also kind of got that Derek Carr like permanent eyeliner thing going yeah. on. 
which also his brother has that too. So that, that just must be like some sort of genetic Kelly. It's, it's, it's a, it's a crow magnon thing because like your head, your forehead goes over your eyes a little bit like the old caveman. It's like, he's not oh, fully okay. evolved. And speaking of not being fully evolved. <laughs> what a transition. <laughs> what a transition. <laughs> Podcast professional, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> hey, what a great, speaking of not fully evolved, this offense is not going any going to change at all. I mean, can you believe the idiocy coming out of his mouth to say, well, I don't think we're really that we're, we're that predictable last year. And he doubles down and even says, well, you know, even when it comes to running on first downs, don't feel like we we're that predictable. Your thoughts. <laughs> I think it's a difficult situation for him to be in because look, he's not regardless of what he thinks of Todd Downing personally. He's not going to come out and trash him and say, yeah, we were super predictable last year. Todd's a fucking idiot. Um, I'm okay, be that's, so much there better. it is, is going to the opposite end of the spectrum. This is all he had to say. And I got to fight it because someone, because of course someone has to go, I mean, what do you want him to say? My colleagues and I were terrible. There was not a single positive <laughs> thing about the offense last year from play design to play call and execution. Here's all okay. I said. Immediately after I got this, this is what I talked about. I think there's an opportunity for us in certain situations to be less predictable on offense. I think that sounds better. That does sound better. I just get me I think, into PR. They need PR help so bad. Get me. I in agree. There. I agree with you. I think. I think they. He needs to do a better job of spinning it. But I don't think. I don't think we should take like word for word his answers to be exactly what he thinks of what Todd Downing did last year. What the offense did. Pretty good, good chance that like behind those smoldering blue eyes, uh, there, there's a little <laughs> bit more. Uh, yeah, I would do it totally differently if uh, if I was in charge last year. I I, I have to believe that's true. Well, you, you, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I we we both have said this is going to be was an underwhelming hire, and part of that is that we just don't think he's that inspiring. And maybe this is part of that uninspiration is that he's just gonna you know he's gonna just kind of like be a statue all through his uh career because that's what he kind of felt like today um what do you think about this term that he wants the offense to have this illusion of being complex i thought that was an interest instead of actually being complex he wants to have the illusion of being complex which i guess would go if i were to dive deep because nobody asked to follow up on this illusion of complex and I've been watch. I've watched both now. You see me, and now you see me too. Recently, so I got this little like oh. ma- magic thing going on. Um, so this illusion of being complex obviously means that it's really going to be simple and predictable. But he wants to try to outsmart defensive coordinators. I, I mean, ultimately, I think he's he's headed down the right path here, in my opinion, because that okay. that is really what the basis of all NFL offense is. You want it to be. Simple for your guys and complicated for the other team's guys. Um, because the more complicated you make your actual offense, the more your players have to think, the less fast they play. Like it's, And as it's we know by S2 guys. scores, they're all dumb. Well, they, yeah, there's that too. Um, so I think it's – I think if he's able to actually execute on that to where they and, – and like, look, Shanahan did this to a masterful degree – it's not that they run like an unbelievable number of concepts in San Francisco. It's that they're able to run it out of all these different personnel looks. They're able to run it out of all these different formational looks. They're able to run it out of all these different, you know, motions and window dressings and different, you know, different looks. 
it's the same play. It's the same things that they're asking the players to execute. It just looks so different every time, and it keeps defenses off guard and on their toes and, you know, all these other things. It's it's really kind of the beauty of uh, of that offense. So I think he's headed down the right path. I mean, I, I understand people, you know, it doesn't always sound great when you say you want your <laughs> – your offense to be really simple um but just you know maybe maybe make it look complex um but that is really ultimately what the goal of every offensive coordinator is i think all right mike mike Vrabel spoke today it was a little bit more of the the same stuff over and over i mean stuff that we've we've heard before he his relationship yeah his relationship with Rand carthon's growing uh Rand carthon has this way of uh making people feel important apparently, which I thought was a weird way to put it. Cause it's like, he makes everyone in the building, anybody, anybody in the building feel important. I'm thinking that must mean that a lot of people just don't feel important. in the building. <laughs> well, maybe John Robinson was, you know, making them throw away his spit cups and maybe, like yeah, but, know. but there were, there's two things that I thought that spoke a lot about where this, um, this off season's going. And it was, Mike Vrabel said that he's looking for players that have speed, violence, and versatility. So now he's added violence into, like <laughs> into, into his repertoire. Now we we've 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 talked about speed, we talked about versatility, but the speed thing goes back to stuff that Rand Carthon said about pl- being able to process the game at a high level and play the game fast, which Mike Vrabel has talked about. We always feel like we're the slowest people on the team or on the field. So again. That all ties back to S2 because now Mike Vrabel has the S2 data. He's like, well, we got a bunch of slow motherfuckers, both physically and mentally. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna fix that. But the violence is something that's new, and there's a lot of hard hitting players coming into this draft, specifically Devon Witherspoon is like the first person when someone says violent out of this draft, like Devon Witherspoon is the first name that comes into my head. What do you think about the, what this term means for the players that they're going to be looking for? Because obviously, if you're fast and you're violent, you're probably going to have a good chance of being on the Tennessee Titans radar. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's the violent thing kind of fits Vrabel's style to a large degree. I mean, that's, you know, I, I, I still go back to Terrell Williams talking about Jeffrey Simmons when he was like, I mean, it might have been his rookie year, first few games, you know. They, uh, they, as some reporter asked Terrell Williams, it's one of the funniest answers I've ever heard a coach give. Uh, asked Terrell Williams, you know, what would you say Jeffrey Simmons's play style is trending towards at the NFL level? And he's, his answer was just straight up, it's trending towards violence. <laughs> and um, I think that bears out in, in Big Jeff's game. So um, I think that's long, I think that's kind of what he's getting at there. He, he just wants, you know, big, big, angry, fast guys. Um, and that's good. That's what the NFL is. The NFL is the biggest, the angriest, and the fastest. Um, so um, I'm all for his his new trio of traits. Because at one point, what didn't that? What didn't he have three things that he said? You know, he was looking for for a long time. But it was it was some it was some other group of three. I can't remember what it was now. Oh, um, I'd have to go back. It, yeah, we'd have to go back like, and check. But this is a totally different. Uh, Vrabel that we're seeing. I, I think that it's a, a Vrabel that has evolved. And I think this also goes to your offensive lineman, right? Like he's going to be looking for some, like 
if Trevor Penning came out in this draft or Tyler Smith came out in this draft, which we know Tyler Smith was on the board, or at least the Cowboys felt like he was on the board for the Tennessee Titans, those feel like the offensive linemen that would be like, okay, these guys, after hearing that, I'd be like, okay, these are the offensive linemen I need a circle. So I feel like you got to find your nastiest offensive linemen because that's who they're going to be looking for as long as they're, they're athletic. We got to check those RAS scores. Uh, but that's what it kind of feels like is that they're they're going to move at a faster pace than everything else, and they're going to rely on players to be able to attack and be violent and be available, which brings us to he was asked about David Long, and the fucking first word out of his mouth was durability is a big thing. <laughs> I mean, like durability, durability, durability. And we know that with the, you know, there was the eight to four guys, and then they were talking about the guys who got injured. And David Long was mentioned again uh, surrounding durability. I get the sense that they're probably going to re sign Dylan Cole before they re sign David Long. And it's going to send Titans fans into a tailspin. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't bring back back uh, David Long, but it's um, God. They don't have anyone to play that spot on the roster if they don't. I mean, it, it's so bad. It, it's that that becomes a major major hole for them if if they don't bring him back. Which you know, there's guys in the draft. There's other guys in free agency. I know um, uh, Aziz Alshire uh from san francisco is somebody mm. that, that Rand carthon has connections to obviously would be a good fit uh for that role but i mean bobby david, wagner but well yeah there's there's bobby wagner too uh but you know even like <laughs> i mean <laughs> i mean look, look i mean of course you know what's gonna happen he's gone to nine straight what nine straight all pros right he's yeah. he's been an all pro nine straight years and he was the top rated uh, inside linebacker by PFF standards, and he's going to come here and get injured week one, and we're never and he because he's never missed a game, and it, all of a sudden we're going to pay him. Tides are going to pay him. We're going to see him on the field, and he's going to get injured week one, and then we're going to be like, we should never sign old people, even that though would, he's like fucking awesome still. That would add up. I mean, like I I love Bobby Wagner. Don't get me wrong. I'd be happy if he's here, but I guess part of me is still like, the fuck are we doing with Bobby Wagner? If we sign Bobby Wagner. Does that does that make the defense so good that it doesn't matter that we're gonna have shit for offense and uh, you know twenty twenty three? I mean, it, they're not winning the Super Bowl uh, this year, you know. So what are you doing signing Bobby Wright Wagner? And why well, Bobby Wagner ain't coming here anyways? Bobby Wagner's yeah. gonna go. To oh some, yeah, he's not definitely not uh, coming here. He's gonna go to the Bills to replace uh, Tremaine Edmond, or he's gonna go somewhere you know where he has a chance to actually win. Um, he is not coming to Tennessee, but anyways, I, I, but there. Again, like, I agree with you that I, I think it seems to me like they are moving on from David Long. They're moving on from Nate Davis. I, I just get the feeling that neither of those guys are going to be back, um, which is kind of crazy because I, I would I would have said, you know, what, three months ago that both those guys were locks. They had to be back. Um, and, yeah, here we are three months we later. Said- and- you know, we said that if, you know, there's a good chance when David Long goes to another team, you're probably never going to hear from him again. Like, I mean, there's a, it's, a, it's a very good chance. And I will say this, that I, I do think that there could be a Jayon Brown kind of situation where they let him test a mark and then he comes back. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I don't, it doesn't sound like Mike Vrabel, and maybe we're reading too much into his words, but 
doesn't really sound like Mike Vrabel has a lot of trust in David Long. And the Tennessee Titans are about to have to get into a bunch of negotiations, and this is going to transition us into this, but they are looking for players that have versatility, right? So these, this free agent class, this draft class, could be versatility because he said something that was really interesting where basically the San Francisco 49ers roster almost got to a point where they consider it positionless which I think is exactly fits the mold of what the Titans have been trying to do on defense. But I think that fits the mold of what they want to be. And I think that is a good sign for the future, but that's a lot. That's going to be a lot of people that don't have a spot on this roster that have been on this roster for a while, because not a lot of players are positionless on the Tennessee Titans team. No. And, and I mean, I do think about guys like Traylon Burks uh, and Chica Conquo, who do kind of fit that mold of, you know, versatile. Um, you can line them up in different spots. Both of them did line up in different spots at times last year. Um, I think that, you know, those guys are, I mean, of all the players on the Titans offensive roster, those are the two guys I would bet on being still on the Titans in 2024. Like those are the only two. I would probably actually put. Money I mean, on. it kind of feels that way, right? Like the, on the offensive side of the ball, they're the only two with their jobs like safe. Yeah, they they are they are stapled in for twenty twenty three. And, and listen, it does not mean that we think that Traylon Burks is pin, marked in as wide receiver one, but he's definitely a starting wide receiver on this roster. For sure, that's about for as sure. far as we could go with it. They are like the building blocks. Now you you don't have very many building blocks. You've got like you know if you if you're trying to build like a Lego set or whatever, you've got like a little like long skinny piece, and then you've got like one of the little two two block pieces. But that's all you got right now. You got to go find a bunch of other pieces to build whatever you want to build because right now you you know you got nothing. Um, so I don't know. It's I think the positionless thing is interesting because it it is I think where the NFL is generally going at the at the higher ends, um, and the, look the Niners were a great example of that. They were able to do so much offensively with those skill position players, it, you know, that it made to the point where Brock Purdy, you know, and and his his amazing S two scores were were able to damn near get them to the Super Bowl. So. Um, it's, I, I hope that's where, where Rand Carthon's wanting to go. I, I'd be interested to know who you feel like out of this draft class fits that description. There's a couple positionless. of names. Uh, I would think, think Ty J. Spears could be technically positionless because you can put him at – he's a running back that you can also put out on wide receiver in a lot of different ways, and you could do a yeah. lot of different things with him. Um. Man, that's really tough because, you know, you look at the wide receivers. Rashi Rice could probably be a guy that could be in a Debo Samuel-esque mode where he's a wide receiver and then he lines up as a running back. I think a guy like Anthony Johnson Jr. out of Virginia can be a safety cornerback hybrid um, that can also play in the box a little bit. Um, those would be some guys I could think that there's off the top of my head from the senior bowl, like Cody, Cody Mock could technically be positionless because he can he can fill in at tackle, but he can also play guard and center. We've seen him do that. Uh, Blake Freeland could play both sides of the line, um, left and right tackle. So there's a couple. Uh, Jarrett Patterson would be another one. He's a guard and a center, not necessarily a tackle. Those would be some guys that I would consider positionless, I guess. But um, I'm trying to think. 
I don't feel like there's a linebacker that can be in and out, I guess. I, I know we kind of pooped on him when uh, when our buddy No Flags Film brought him up at one point, but Parker Washington, I think, kind of fits that mold and the fact that he's more of like, he's kind of a wide receiver in a running back's body. Um, yeah. And he's got some of that run after catch stuff and, and things like that. But I think Parker Washington is a guy that fits that kind of positionless mold to a, to a large degree. Yeah, I could see that. I, I think those would be some of the guys. Um, you know, speaking of positions, what I another thing that I really liked out of the Rand Carthon uh, press conference. Uh, well, first, I want to say one thing: the Rand Carthon we saw today and heard from today had a totally entirely different demeanor <laughs> than the one that we saw at his opening press conference. And I don't care; I just think it's hilarious that he was like all nice and he was like he was jiving, having fun. And then, like, a few weeks in, it's like, oh, he's down. He's serious business. He's, like, shutting questions down. He's not – he's telling you right now he's breaking he's breaking the will. And, like, he's like, party time's over, motherfuckers. Rand Carthon, <laughs> Big Daddy Rand is here in the building. He's going to tell you this is how we're going to do press conferences. I thought, I thought that was great. Uh, but I thought one thing he did say was that he asked for every position coach to put together a highlight reel of what you are looking for in a position. And you have to think that if there was if there was some Twitter fans or Twitter followers and or whatever were asked to do the same, it would all be highlight clips of Dylan Radins and Malik Willis, depending on which position coach they were for. However, I thought that was really great. Mike Vrabel loved it because he loved that he was getting input from his position coaches, which it sounds like, again, that's a not-so-subtle jab at, we haven't ever been asked to do this before, but we're being asked to do it now. So, Mike, what do you think of, Do you, first off, do you trust the position coaches? And do you think that, because there was a part in there that Rand Carthon said, if I have a question about what I'm seeing on film, I go next door, our offices are right next to each other, I go next door and I ask, Mike Vrabel, am I looking at this right? What do you think about this new era collaboration is actually in practice? What do you think about that? I, I liked a lot of what I heard. I mean, as far as like, do I trust the position coaches? It depends on the position coach. Um, uh, like I said, I, you know, I trust Terrell Williams, trust Chris, uh, Chris Harris. Um, coach Haas. You know, no, no, I don't okay. trust him at all. I don't, I don't trust him he at all. Looks, he looks like an offensive line coach, though. He, he does. He physically, I physically, I trust him. Uh, so, like casting that role, I, I like it. Um, but yeah, I don't, don't know if it'll be good or not. Um, I, I mean, I trust most of them. I think most of the position coaches, I generally have a good feeling for right now. Um, that that they're uh, you know good to above average coaches, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I I like that they're looking at new ways of doing things as far as, you know, these cut-ups. And, like, I, I guess it, it does make sense that, you know, hey, give me – show me physically what it looks like for you when a guy is doing it the way you want it done. And that way I can go find guys on tape. And But the interesting thing to me is, like, I mean, I think he even used the example of, you know – releases are off a line of scrimmage or how a guy uses his hands or whatever. And I almost wonder, like, if you're trying to go find guys that already do it the way that the coaches want them to, it's fine. I mean, you, you may be able to, but I, I don't know that that should dictate. I, I mean, right. Like that should, 
that should only be like, okay, well, if you're tie breaking between two guys, because otherwise that's what the coaches are paid to do is to make these guys mm-hmm. learn the techniques that they want them to use. Um, and I mean, sure. If, if the guy already knows it, that's great. Maybe he can hit the ground running a little bit faster, but if the guy's significantly more talented, I'd rather them coach the guy up that doesn't know how to use that technique uh, than draft a guy who's more mediocre talent, but, you know, is, is fully developed a, you know, this specific release or whatever. But I, I don't know. That's just one example that I kind of comes to my mind that I'm like, oh, you know, I wonder how, how much influence that has. Um, I would hope not a ton, but, you know, it, it at least is interesting uh, that they're trying to get that kind of information. It could also just be them trying to learn him, trying to learn what this, this offense really looks like and what, what he needs to, what kind of players he does need to be shopping for. So um, it's an interesting approach. I I'll, I'll give him points for thinking outside the box on that stuff. All right. I'm going to try. Uh, well, I'm not going to try it, but uh, I was going to try to pull up a clip real quick, but I don't want to be in us up in silence and just like Mike Vrabel talking, but um, the, Final thing that Rand Carthon said, because uh, I think Kenneth here has uh, hit the nail on the head for what most fans are feeling. I hated almost everything out of the press conferences today. And while we have highlighted some positive stuff, a lot of negative stuff as well, this one I feel like is just like, is a nothing burger. Like what he said about um, Ryan Tannehill today. He said, Ryan Tannehill is under contract. Ryan Tannehill is our quarterback because he's under contract and Ryan Tannehill will be our quarterback. We've heard all this before from other yeah. teams. We've heard all this before from other teams. He's 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 the Titans quarterback until he's not the Titans quarterback. 100%. And if don't overreact to listen, I'm not saying that Ryan Tannehill is not going to be the quarterback and I'm not saying that that that's been the plan all along. I've been pretty much saying that I think Ryan Tannehill is going to be the quarterback of, of the Tennessee Titans in 2023, and I think he'll likely be extended. But these words, they mean nothing. There is, there is nothing to take away from this other than he's our quarterback until he's not our quarterback. Because you know what? I remember when Tom Brady, and I brought this up a couple of times already, but I remember when Tom Brady was going through free agency, and at the Combine, they asked Bruce Arians, and I've been on this train right before Bruce Arians said it that Tom Brady's going to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then Bruce Arians says, Jameis Winston is our quarterback. We're not interested in Tom Brady or whatever he said. I mean, he basically said, we're not, in, we're not talking Tom Brady, not interested in Tom Brady, blah, blah, blah. Well, what, how, how did that end up? Like, give me a, give me a break. Like, this is not something to like worry about, fret about, or anything. We, and, we saw it last year with AJ Brown. I mean, it was yeah. always we're not trading AJ Brown. We're not, and then AJ Brown gets traded. It, yeah, these words mean literally nothing. It, it is factually true that they, you know Ryan Tannehill is under contract. He is going to be a Titan for at least a few more hours. That that's all this really <laughs> yeah, means. Like you know, it's sometime between a few more hours and the end of his contract is how long he'll be a Titan. So I, I just yeah. It, Wad that up and throw it away. It means yeah. absolutely nothing. Because just because they keep Tannehill, like we've said, does not mean you can, you don't have, you, you are not allowed to draft and develop another quarterback. 
Right. Like you, it does not mean that you can't go quarterback in round one in some way, or maybe uh, Anthony Richardson or Hendon Hooker fall to round, you know, three or four, and you draft them there or something like that. I mean, there's crazy stuff that happens. It does not prevent you from getting a quarterback next year. It means nothing. In the big scheme of things, this team, I, I've I've said this recently. I don't think Derrick Henry adds any wins to this roster if he wasn't on this roster. And I think that like Ryan Tannehill's like good for like 1.5 or two win difference. Like if Ryan Tannehill's on this team in 2023, what a 9-8 win team, maybe 10 if you're lucky. And then if he's off the team, you're probably looking at, because of Mike Vrabel, a 7-8 win team, right? I mean, like, it's not a big deal if he's here or not. And this right here, what is said in the combine does not dictate anything other than it's the same thing they've been saying. Ryan Tannehill's the quarterback, and we're still evaluating him, and they someone brought up a restructure, which I wish they would quit using the term restructure when they mean extension. I don't know who asked about it, but I'm sure it's Buck because he likes messing up those two words all the time on his radio show. But <laughs> he said, we're not going to negotiate publicly and in front of the media. And I'm okay with that. We're not going to negotiate through the media. I don't like it because I like talking about contracts and I like doing that. But heck, you know what that means? That we'll, we're just going to be in a constant state of worry and wonderment and confusion until we get it uh, to like year three, when we kind of figure out what Rand Carthon's all about. Well, it's, it's, it's going to be the, like, it's the same as it's always been. We'll find out when we get the Jim Wyatt tweet that comes out from the team of, uh, we have agreed to terms on a, you know, restructured contract for Ryan Tannehill or whatever, or Ryan Tannehill signs two year extension or whatever, whatever ends up happening. Um, it will come out in a Jim Wyatt tweet. It won't, it'll, it'll just be, Hey, news dump. Here we go. Um, so it's, uh, I mean, it's frustrating in a sense, but I, I don't blame him. I wouldn't, if I was a player, I wouldn't want my GM out there talking about my contract to the media and playing the games of like, he even know, told agents, he even said, I've told agents, this is how we do business. We're not going to do, uh, these little back shots and, and t- back channeling through the media. and. You know what? Respect. If yeah, that's how you're going to do business and that's how you want to do business, that's how you need to do business because you're the GM. Um, the, I mean, I just, I'm not worried about Ryan. Like, we're not going to know anything about Ryan Tannehill till after this week. And we're not going to know anything about Ryan Tannehill to probably like right up until free agency because the Aaron Rodgers domino has to fall. The Derek Carr domino has to fall. And while there will be talks and rumors and elbow rubbing at St. Elmo's up in Indianapolis at the Combine this week, not really a lot ever gets done at the Combine. It's always after the Combine when it all starts coming in waves because everybody's talked about it. And now they're back at the offices. This is for this week's for the draft. That's where their main focus is with a little bit of, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge transactions. And then they're going to come back. They're going to put the the NFL combine in the rear view for a couple of weeks and handle free agency. And then it's going to be draft season again. It's just a, it's a cycle of the off season. So it's like the, the whole Bud Dupree thing. He says like, I haven't really dove deep into Bud Dupree and haven't really gotten to know him. That's because he's going to cut him. He's probably going to cut him. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's not, if they just, if they wait till March 15th, even though they don't technically have to, I mean, like to have to wait to announce it, then you could do what, the Rams did with Bobby Wagner. 
just because they wait doesn't mean anything. And, you know, at the end of the day, this is a team destined for a glow up. And I think uh, there's a lot to be positive about going forward. I know you don't like to speak of positivity, but I think there's a lot to be positive about. No, I, so I do think there's a lot to be positive about long term. I don't think there's a lot to be positive about as far as like 2023 success. I, I, okay. I'm not I'm not totally like down on the franchise. I just think they're going. I, I just think the the dip is going to be a little bit deeper than you do. <laughs> Mike, I want to I want to get your thoughts because we have we we. We've had th- talks about Derrick Henry, and this will be our final topic. And you, you, we, we talked about it a little bit between between ourselves about how much emphasis do you think the Titans put on Derrick Henry getting the rushing touchdowns up to a hundred, getting uh, uh, getting his yardage up to ten thousand here within the franchise? And we kind of thought that Mike Vrabel may have a little bit of emotional attachment to that idea. But Braden on a football show on Monday followed up with on the story of the Bills inquiring about the the Derrick Henry. Turns out they have, and there have been a few other teams seriously inquiring about Derrick Henry's availability. Again, while that is kind of big news, it's also kind of not because anybody that needs a running back should be inquiring about Derrick Henry and should be inquiring about a running back on the last deal yet last year, their deal, which they can take on and extend because if you're, you're playing the what if game when you hit free agency, right there, I know there's a lot of running backs hitting free agent or set to hit free agency. And there's a lot of running backs in the draft, but you're playing the what if game. Like you don't know for sure. It's like a game of roulette. Who's actually going to be available and who actually wants to come to your team. Derrick Henry is a for sure thing. So, of course, there are GMs doing their due diligence and asking about Derrick Henry. Do you think that Mike Vrabel is willing to trade Derrick Henry? Okay, so that's one question. My other question is, what do you think is a reasonable return? What is the least in what's the least that they get back in return that you're okay with? Like, is it two picks, like a fifth and a sixth, or is it a is it only a third round pick? Like, what's the least they could get in return that you'd be okay with Derrick Henry being another team's uniform? Um, I do think Vrabel would trade him because ultimately, I think Vrabel, while I think he loves Derrick Henry and I think he has a huge amount of respect for Derrick Henry. I I also think that to Vrabel he's I I just don't I can't see him being that sentimental about it you know he was traded you know in his career it's one of those things that happens um, I think he understands what it means to be you know a thirty year old running back in today's NFL especially one that you know carries such a huge workload as as what Henry has over the last few years I think he would consider it. Um, as far as what return I think they should get, I probably wouldn't deal him for anything less than a third. Um, what if it's maybe, like a fourth and a sixth or a fifth and a seventh or something like that? Maybe like a fourth and a fifth, maybe. Um, that's kind of where that I was at. The value of the third. Um, I, I think that's about what he's – honestly, I mean, I know a lot of fans think like – because I, I still get some people in my mentions on Twitter saying like uh, – what do, what do you think about trading Henry for the first overall pick plus the Bears, uh, like, second pick plus uh, something else? And I'm like, I mean, I'd say yes before they could get, like, the back half of that trade out of their mouth. But, 
that is 100% not what he's worth in the NFL. So um, I think at most you're going to get a second. Like that is the very, very most that you could possibly imagine getting for Derrick Henry going into his age 30 season with, you know, the, the kind of wear and tear he has and the fact that he's such a specific player. Like he is, you have to be positionless. He is not positionless. He is not a guy that you can just line up anywhere or, you know, spread out and throw the football to all this other stuff. Like he, he is a lineup, you know, seven yards behind the quarterback under center run the ball downhill running back, like old school running back. He is a dying breed, uh, which is why he's so unique and interesting and like fascinating to a lot of people, including myself. Um, But his value to other NFL teams is not that high because he's not, I mean, playoff teams would be the ones that would be trying to get a guy like that. I would not trade him to the bills unless they offered me like a first, by the way. Oh yeah, I, I mean, couldn't do that. Like, if it's the Bills, you have to give him like a first or a second. You yeah, have to it'd be very painful to see him there. Um, but you know, I do, and I do think there's the thing of like, if the Titans are going going to go into this, you know, glow up mm-hmm. with the the recognition that it is like, you know, there might be a little bit of cosmetic surgery that needs to happen here. Um, not just you know, not just the makeup and everything else. Like, they, I mean, we may need to go under the knife and get that nose taken care of, and you know, ears yeah. lower, whatever. Um, understanding that it's going to be painful for a little bit. I wonder if if they don't consider that Derrick Henry could almost serve as a distraction to the fan base while they're going through this like period of of bad play because, like you know. And we've talked about this. And I know you guys talked about it on a football show that, you know, Derrick Henry has a chance to hit 10,000 yards this season. He has a chance to hit 100 touchdowns, uh, rushing touchdowns this season. And every player who's ever done that is either in the NFL Hall of Fame or going to the Hall of Fame. Adrian Peterson's the only one that's not in right now, and he will be. Um, so the chase for those milestones could be like a little bit of a distraction of like, hey, we still got Derrick Henry, you know, like, yeah, we're playing Malik Willis at quarterback and we're going to win four games this year. But, hey, Derrick Henry, he's going for 10,000 and 100 and only, you know, seven running backs in NFL history have done that. Um, I wonder if maybe they wouldn't use him as a little bit. I, there's also some added benefit of like if you do have a young quarterback, having Henry in the running game and all that could be a benefit to them, too. So like, there's there's football reasons, too. But from a PR standpoint. There may be some value to Henry hanging around and just, you know. I said if someone offered a third and a fifth, they should ship his ass out of here. And the man, a couple of, pe- couple of people did not like that. on. The oh, I can't imagine that was very popular. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's uh... just get his ass out of here. And listen, I'm not a guy who hates Derrick Henry. I just, you know, I understand the value of the running back position and I understand where this team's at. And the more draft picks this team has, the better it can Solve some holes a little bit quicker. Uh, As somebody who watched the end of Eddie George's career with the Titans, that was fucking painful. That was not a glorious run to the finish line there. Um, And he even says that he wishes he would have just retired. Henry's a better player than Eddie George. And Henry still has years left, but like he does. eh, He does. eh. Henry is not to like what the last couple years of Eddie George's Titans career was like yet. But those days are coming. Like that, that is just they'll come uh, quick. That's just the fact. Yeah. Okay. Listen, let's play a game with Tannehill, Derrick Henry. 
right. you got ex- keep just as is, extend, trade, or cut. So extend, <sighs> keep, trade, cut. Ryan Tannehill, what's your prediction? Prediction? Oh, um, we'll, gonna... we'll update this once the quarterback carousel little sells down a little bit. We'll, we'll revisit this uh, heading into free agency. Right now, today, I'm going to predict they. I'm going to predict they give him a minor extension. That's where I'm at. I'm, I'm at. We're both at minor extension. Okay. Extend, keep, trade, or cut, Derrick Henry. I'm going to say they keep Henry. Just, Just keep as him as is. is. Yeah, okay. No, no change. No extension or anything. You don't think? No. I think I'm going to go with trade. Oh, I'm going to put it up there. I'm going right, to throw it out right. there in the ether and just see what happens. Okay. Or speaking of just see what happens, you should go see what happens at Jasper's in Nashville. Two for one on Sundays. They got all kinds of TVs. They got a gaming room. They got all kinds of stuff for you. Great food. Jasper's in Nashville. Head over there. Uh, you can follow Mike on Twitter at Mike Herndon NFL. Follow me on Twitter at EffortsPod. You can find my written stuff at stackingtheinbox.com. $4 a month is going to get you access to a tool that only you would be able to see if you are a paid subscriber and only be able to use in reference if you're a paid subscriber. And it's going to have a lot of data on there for the for you NFL draft gurus or nerds. And then, Mike, you can find all of his written stuff over at paulkarski.com. We're both part of the 440 Sports Podcast Network. All kinds of great shows there. Megan Barry was on Lamestream uh, Sports recently. Uh, that was a good listen if you have listened. And I think he's, uh, I don't know if it was for, um, uh, crap, what is the hockey one? Uh, I just talked about the hockey oh, one the other day. Uh, gold Standard. Yeah, the Gold Standard. I don't know if it's going to be for Gold Standard or for Lamestream Sports, but Terry Crisp, he just completed an interview for that. Spoiler alert, so that'll be coming on one of the podcasts later. And then, of course, there's broadwaysportsmedia.com. You can go over there and find all kinds of great soccer content that they got going on over there, broadwaysportsmedia.com. The best soccer content, maybe the only, but it's definitely the best soccer content, is over at speedwaysoccer.com. Even if there were, or broadwaysportsmedia.com, even if there was another soccer place, it's still the best because I don't even know what the other soccer content would be. So, you know, they win. They win automatically by default because they're so good. In a landslide. For Mike, I'm Zach. This has been Football and Other F-Words, and you have just been effed. 